0: Welcome to the Bloom and Elix podcast. All information presented in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not meant to replace medical advice. If you are looking to start a new treatment, please consult your primary care physician. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Bloom and Elix podcast. Podcast. I am so excited to be here today with Dr. Ivan Kasselman, who is a guru and expert in the psychedelic space. So, Ivan, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Natasha.
0: And you are based in Vancouver, I believe?
1: That is correct, yes.
0: So well, why don't you start by telling me a little bit about yourself and, and some of the work you've done? Because I know you also come from the cannabis industry, so you have a pretty varied background. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about how you got your start in both cannabis and psychedelics.
1: Absolutely. Uh, so yeah, Dr. Ivan Kasselman. So I do have a PhD in plant science, and um, that's that's probably the, the the container for most of my you know passion and study and and, and focus over the last twenty years. Um, I started studying psychedelics, um, about, yeah, about 20 years ago. Um, started more on the experiential side of the um, of, of the research, and mm-hmm. then um, in uh, 2008, I, I went to the UK um, and I did uh, two master's degrees and, um, in the UK um, in psychedelic medicine. So I studied a plant called Salvia divinorum, and then um, and then after that, I, I moved to Australia to do a PhD. Um, also in, in plant science, I studied, uh, selvia, uh, in Australia as well. And so that sort of, uh, very brief, uh, description of how I got into psychedelics. Um, as far as cannabis goes, uh, it's a little bit earlier. I'm, I'm the third generation of my family to work in the cannabis industry in DC. Um, so when I finished my PhD and I came back to Canada, I, um, I dove into the legal industry, uh, cause at the time, um, the, uh, the medical thing had, had really started to, uh, Pick up and hmm. um, and and the uh, the writing was on the wall for the recreationals. So um, it sort of seemed to be the right place, the right time for uh, cannabis. Um, and then you know, fast forward to the end of 2019, um, and and we started uh, a project um, which became a company called Haven. Um, that uh, that sort of seemed like the right place and the right time too. But uh, honestly, I've been waiting um, very patiently for the psychedelic industry to get around to the point where we can start working on, you know, creating those those types of medicines legally. So I'm, I'm super excited to be where I am now, uh, but there's still lots of work to do.
0: Well, so 20 years doing research in plant medicine, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's not a lot of us who have had that sort of track record in this space. So just to go back to one of the things you said, so what is Salvia.
1: Ah, yes. Salvia divinorum is a, uh, it's a psychedelic plant from Mexico. Um, it's traditionally used by the Mazatec in Mexico. Uh, it's a short-acting hallucinogen. It's very, very unique in that, um, the active, um, compound that, that makes you hallucinate is not an alkaloid, but it's a diterpene. And as far as I know, it's the only known, um, psychedelic diterpene, um, that's, that's found in the plant kingdom. So, a uh, super, very, very interesting plant um and i chose i chose to study salvia because um at the time in the uk and in australia um the laws um allowed for um me to grow and and study it without too many too much paperwork and restrictions whereas something like you know cannabis or other other psychedelic plants did require a a large um number of permissions and lots of paperwork and all that kind of stuff from governments and universities and all that kind of stuff so just kind of if you're working too hard on that, it, you just don't end up getting to do the research.
0: Right, yeah. And so um, when you look at the whole psychedelic sort of space in the industry, like one of the words that I keep hearing over and over again is like healing and healing trauma. And then is, is that where you think? the best usage of psychedelics is? Because, um, you know, like with cannabis, again, it has so many varied uses on the, the medical mm-hmm. side, the wellness side, the recreational side, but with psychedelics I just constantly keep hearing about healing, healing, healing. Uh, so what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, there's there's very clear indications that psychedelics uh, help people heal, full stop. And, and that's one of the things that really, really interests me about this subject. Um, you know, one of my you know, uh, something that drives me is, is that I want, I want to maximize the help that I can give to people. And, and, and that's one of the things that I'm, I'm really interested in as far as psychedelics go. Um, at currently when we talk about mental health, uh, the, the treatments available for mental health, uh, especially when we, when we talk about sort of pharmaceuticals or, or, or those kind of treatments, they, they work, but they don't work very well. And oftentimes what, what, they work just enough that you have to have one and then you have to have another to counteract the side effects and you have to have another to, you know, help with the other one you're taking in. And, and so you end up on these, these crazy cocktails of pharmaceuticals that, that only do a, a mediocre job where, you know, there's, there's plenty of case reports and anecdotal evidence that, that shows psychedelics can have a dramatic impact on people's mental health in, in one or, or two sessions, you know, oh. uh, providing, providing they're doing it in, in conjunction with a, uh, with a practitioner or, or some sort of healing methodology.
0: So, one of the things I've been having a lot of conversations about this with a lot of friends, um and you know, like myself, I'm on SSRIs so I'm luckily, just one medication compared to a number mm-hmm. of medications, but one of the people I was talking to just yesterday was like, "You know, I really want to get off of these pills like I know they're not good for me, I still feel some side effects from them, and I want to use. Um, psilocybin to help me get off of them, so they're looking at almost doing like a replacement therapy. And, and again, we're not providing uh, medical advice here, but it, no. do you think there's a, a place for people to use something like psilocybin or another psychedelic to help get off of an SSRI? Because anyone who anyone who knows about antidepressants and has tried to get off of them knows it's like a grueling um, time of your life; like it's not fun. <laughs>
1: yeah and i and i've i've had convers- very similar conversations with people you know um people, i think as as our society the conversation around plant medicine progresses in our society we are starting to see people realize that you know just eating pharmaceuticals all day long is not the you know the path forward and and uh you know more and more people are becoming interested in uh using plants or or in this case fungus therapy now mm-hmm. as far as using psychedelics to get off SSRIs, that's 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 a difficult realm um and I'm, I'm not uh, I'm not a medical doctor so I mm-hmm. I I wouldn't want to yeah I, again wouldn't want to um dole out medical advice. I think that there's definitely a very good use case to um for people to, you know, explore that situation. Um I know for myself um I've been microdosing um for about 10 years now and um you know, understanding that, you know, a large threshold dose of psychedelics is very, very healing. But at the same time, if you want that just sort of like that nice uh, daily dose to, to keep that mental health nice and level, um, I think that, you know, microdosing, there's definitely a case to be made for people who are on SSRIs to, you know, use, um, you know, maybe a microdosing protocol to help them wean off, um, off of that.
0: Yeah, like it makes me think a lot about um, with cannabis and there was sort of like the opioid replacement therapy, like you could use Mm. cannabis to wean off of opioids. And I know you can't like replace one protocol with the other, but it certainly made me think of like the possibilities around that. So I think a lot of people are excited to see what could happen in the psychedelic space. But when we look at cannabis and psychedelics, um, and something I've always thought of is that the learning curve just seems to be so much steeper in the psychedelic space than with cannabis. And it, what do you think? of Is that something you agree with? Like, do you think that in terms of the general population, there's still a lot more education that needs to be done?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, there's the, we're, the conversations that we, we we've been having in the cannabis realm for the last decade. Um, you know, uh, society is getting a very um, you know, a deeper understanding of the plant, deeper understanding of, you know, the medical benefits of, of, of cannabis. And we're starting to see more and more differentiated products. So people can enter into that space, whether it's, you know, medicinal or, or they just, you know, they want to relax or whatever. Um, whereas, you know, with psychedelics, the, the conversation really has just begun. Uh, and, and it's growing, but there's still so much more, uh, that, that, needs that society needs to learn, um, or, or, be t- or, you know, that, that conversation has to go far farther. Um, and then as far as products go, it's, uh, like at the moment, you know, there's no regulated products available. Um, so, uh, you know, for people, you know, citizen scientists that are willing to sort of push the bounds a little bit, um, and, and explore products that are on the unregulated market, that's fine. But for the majority of people, you know, and, and that's one of the, um, reasons that we're you know, sort of driving at, you know, formulating products with Haven is that we, you know, society needs access to safe, quality-controlled um, compounds that that you know doctors, you know, know exactly what's in them and you know they can be prescribed or licensed or however however that will work in Canada. Mm-hmm. And so,
0: I, yeah, I wanted to. I'm glad you brought up Haven. I wanted to shift gears and talk a little bit about mm-hmm. Haven. So I know what Haven is. So why don't you tell mm-hmm. the audience, like, what is Haven and what was the the impetus behind creating this company?
1: Yeah. So, well, I mean, the impetus behind creating the company is to maximize the help that we can we can give to people. And you know, the entire team at Haven recognizes that um, psychedelics, and in particular. You know, philosophy mushrooms and psilocybin, um, have a, a huge potential to help, um, a, a lot of people with, um, a, a variety of different ailments. Um, Haven is a biotech, uh, biotech company and we are focused on, you know, unlocking human potential. So, um, that, that, so if you take a look at mental health and, and you take a look at it as a spectrum, um, you know, one end of the spectrum, we have, you know, depression and PTSD and, and, you know, and, and some very um, difficult mental health issues to, um, to work with. And, uh, you know, based on the research and, you know, lots of, lots of case studies and antid- anecdotal reports, we understand that, you know, that psilocybin and other psychedelics can be used with, you know, people with PTSD and depression to bring them up to a baseline. Um, and then the question then is, when you've got somebody up to baseline, you know, what is the potential of psychedelics to create, you know, I guess, uh, you know, performance? And, you know, how, how can we help people, you know, thrive and expand and grow in our society, you know, once the that, that mental health has been dealt with?
0: And so I've noticed like Haven is also beyond the psychedelic side, you guys are also looking a lot at functional mushrooms. And Absolutely. so you know, functional mushrooms are the ones that we can buy legally, you know, yes. uh, the lion's mane, the chaga um, at the grocery store, the supplement store. And so what is the junction between functional mushrooms and psychedelics and how do they complement each other?
1: Well, yeah, we, we chose to uh, start our product line with, um, re- you know, regulated uh, mushrooms and, and other comp or other plants that we can use. Uh, I, I think, when we look back at the cannabis industry a lot of the a lot of what happened was that um you know, people or companies um formed they built built out their uh their facilities and then they kind of waited around for licensing and there's yeah. a big lag time between uh when a facility was built out and the revenue um so we're really trying hard to incorporate some of these lessons that we've learned in the cannabis industry into, um, into Haven. And so one of them is to, to make sure that, you know, we're creating a, you know, a solid foundation for revenue generation, you know, those fundamentals of a company. Now, as far as where psychedelics and, and other mushrooms sort of intersect, I think, um, along with the the, the societal conversation about psychedelics and plant medicine, uh, what I've, I've really noticed in the last couple of years is that people are, are really recognizing the potential of mushrooms and the medicinal effects of them. And so I don't, you know, yes, we are very interested in philosophy mushrooms and psilocybin, but I, I think our, the interested Haven goes much beyond just you know, one fungus. And yeah. what we're really interested in exploring is what the synergy between those uh, the you know the functional mushrooms and medicinal mushrooms like lion's mane and reishi and the psilocybin um, and and what happens when we we start to combine them in meaningful ways.
0: Right, and so your position title at Haven is chief psychedelic officer.
1: Yes, that so is that's, correct.
0: That's probably the coolest job title I've ever heard. So why don't you Thank tell you. me what like what does that mean? Like are you. I mean, I'm not imagining you just doing psychedelics all day and then telling people how you feel. So what does the job title actually encompass?
1: As, yeah, no. Um, so yeah, as far as I know, I'm the first psychedelic chief psychedelic officer of a public company ever. Um, yeah. So it, yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, at Haven, uh, I mean, my uh, I'm, I was one of the founders of Haven, uh, so uh, came together in uh, in January with a with a very uh, amazing team of people, um, and we yeah we did. Did the, uh, the business building thing and, and, and got things up and running. So early days it was, you know, business development and, um, you know, investor calls and, um, all sorts of things. Um, now that we're public and now that we're functioning as a, uh, you know, as an operational company, um, my focus is primarily on, um, the methodology that Haven will use to, uh, grow, uh, um, philosophy mushrooms. Uh, so, yeah, just really making sure that... Because, I mean, one of the challenges is, like, we know that, that um, you know, magic mushrooms or psilocybin containing mushrooms, whatever you want to call them, can be grown on a large scale because um, mm-hmm. it's being done right now in the unregulated market. Um, yeah. And again, one of the things that we, we saw in the cannabis industry is that they modeled a lot of their um, businesses on what happens in the in, in the unregulated market. But when you move over to the regulated market... There's a lot of there's a lot more paperwork. There's a lot more, you know, uh, quality control, and um, there's just a lot more considerations. Um, and it becomes, you know, you you can't do things as fast. You know, it becomes you have to be very methodical and 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 really understand the whole process and how the government wants you to run that process. So we're in a position right now where the Canadian government actually doesn't have a established. Uh, regulatory regime for us to, to do what we want to do. So, um, I'm, you know, another part of my task is, you know, making sure that we're complying with everything the government wants us to do, um, in advance of them actually dictating how, um, Canadians will be able to use, um, medical mushrooms or right. sorry, um, psychedelic mushrooms. I mean, they do have a mechanism, the section 56, um, which is, uh, that allows for one individual patient to access a um, uh, well, in this case, a fungus on the on the controlled um, substance list in Canada. So right now, we've had I, I think there's less than ten, but there's there's a growing number of patients using this regime. It's not a sustainable um, mechanism in the long term. Uh, you know, once once it yeah. gets beyond you know I don't know five hundred or a thousand patients. Um, you know, at, at that point, hopefully, it'll trigger the government into considering you know, exactly how they want to, um, you know, how they they want to deal with, um, um, like, psychedelic mushrooms or or psychedelic therapy in in general.
0: Right. And so I'm glad you brought up Section 56. So, you know, people are hearing in the news that there are certain people and, like, patients who have been allowed to use psychedelics. So could you maybe walk us as lay people through that? Like, what does that mean? How does someone achieve that? And, And... is you know again, I mean, like you said, that's not sustainable. We need to move towards a broader strategy so that more people can access it. But what does it look like right now for those few people?
1: Um, so yeah, the section fifty six is yeah, it's a mechanism that the Health Canada has, and there's there's a few different um, types of section 56, six, as you can get. So Haven actually has a section fifty six, but our section fifty six is research. So mm-hmm. we're going to use it to develop quality control methods. And standardization, um, for, um, mushrooms and psilocybin. Uh, so, but the section 56 also covers patients. So it's a mechanism for the minister of health to, uh, say, okay, well, we don't have a law pertaining to this certain compound right now, but we understand that it does have medical value. So the, the minister can give special permission to an individual to use that medicine so right now um uh, Theracil has helped uh, a number of patients uh i think the majority of them to date have been um they're they're in some sort of end of life um situation uh mm-hmm. so um which yeah and 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 it's it's an incredible thing that the government has recognized that you know these these people are dying and there's a medicine that that can help them you know i guess not well, I guess feel better about it. I, I I don't exactly know how to describe it. But, it's hard, um, it's a hard word.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, but um, I I like I really commend Health Canada and and the the minister for uh, starting to allow um, these people to use um, philosophy mushrooms. Uh, now there's there's some there's some problems with it because it allows them to use the mushrooms, but it has no mechanism for supply. Right. So yeah, at the moment. Cool. Yeah, one of the patients um that the Therasil um uh got a um uh, a section fifty six for uh is supplying the other patients at the moment. Um but again, that's not a sustainable thing because if you're giving out um you know a section fifty six for end of life, then eventually, you know, somebody that's supplying the mushrooms probably won't be around anymore. So um, you know, this is the thin edge of the wedge. Um and we and we saw we saw this starting to happen um, in, the, in the mid-90s with medical cannabis as well. Um, and and you know, Canada has a, a very good track record. We were the first country in the world to have a, medical cannab- a, a federal medical cannabis system. Um, so there's a lot of mechanisms in place. And there's, I think that there's at least an int- institutional understanding of how to go about, um, you know, I guess, legalizing or, or, or making available um, these types of medicines. So um I'm very hopeful for the for the future.
0: And do you think anyone there would ever be able to be a case made for someone who wasn't at end of life but was struggling with really bad anxiety or depression to be able to use uh, psilocybin for their own treatment, or do you think we're not quite there yet?
1: Actually, I believe that last week the there was the first section fifty six granted for a non end of life patient. Um, I believe they had a type of cancer so so the the there is that those steps are slowly being taken um we've yet and and all, to date um i think the the section fifty six um exemptions all um consider you know mental health as a major component of the of the treatment so um i you know, i again i'm I'm very hopeful of the future we have we have some you know some work to do to to get it to where same medical cannabis is now in Canada. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's, 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 it's moving in the right direction.
0: So last night, you, I think it was yesterday, you posted something on Instagram where you sort of referred to, to raves and, and other environments where people use psychedelics. Um, and you talked about how psychedelics are intuitive medicine. And, I, and correct me if I'm wrong, but don't need to be you know, something that's done on a therapist couch um, as how we see conventional therapy and conventional healing. And so could you maybe walk me through, because I've learned a lot about set and setting just through a lot of the other interviews I've done. So with mm-hmm. set and setting, um, you know, how does it link in with psychedelics and how is it different from how people have viewed conventional healing and therapy?
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a very big advocate of the fact that, that psychedelics are intuitive medicine. And uh, if you uh, yeah, put yourself in the right set and setting, um, so, you know, you're in the right location. Um, you're in the right state of mind, you're with the right people. Uh, that if you are able to kind of get out of your own way and really focus in on what the medicine is trying to teach you, then that will be your that, that'll maximize your learning or your healing or or whatever modality that you're you're um, sort of going going for. Um, I, I typically view you know uh, the psychedelic experience in three components. So you've got the the therapeutic and the healing, you've got the spiritual, and then you've got a more of a free form experience. And all of them are very, very valuable. um, And, and each individual typically would seek out, you know, the type of experience that's going to be most beneficial for them. Um, I, and, and I I don't want to downplay the importance of the, you know, a, a therapeutic regime um, with with psychedelics. There's a lot of incredible practitioners out there, <clears throat> and they, they they help a lot of people. Mm-hmm. What I sort of advocate is that it's not the only way, um, and and sometimes you know having a compound and and putting yourself maybe in a in a in a situation where you're you know in nature or or something like that and and just really tune into the medicine and, 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 and really allow for it to teach you, um, you know, that, that can be very, very beneficial as well. Um, at at the end of the day, no matter what psychedelic experience you have, you know, the greatest learning and and the, the most important part of the experience is when the psychedelic or the hallucinogen, sorry, the hallucinations are over and you sort of, you're, you're, you're back down to baseline, you've got to start integrating. You've got to start Looking back on the experience, understanding you know, the lessons that you've learned, you know the things that came up, um, and, and you know, that's, you know that, that's the intuitive part of the medicine, right? Like it, what, what it brings up for you during your experience, uh, you, you really want to pay attention to, because those are the, the really key learning lessons that, if you integrate those into your life, then you heal and you grow, and you know you, uh, you get to, uh, you, know, yeah get on to the next thing.
0: Right, work on the healing part. Yeah. So if, if I gave you a crystal ball and you could look into the future and tell me what's going to happen with psychedelics, what would, what does the future landscape look like?
1: I love this question. Um, okay, so I'm, I'm going to start with just a very, you know, well, basically I'm going to start with the hypothesis that, that we built um, the, the idea for Haven around. Um, mm-hmm. And that hypothesis is within the next three to five years, we expect the Canadian government to have a a regulatory mechanism for people to access um at the very least psilocybin containing um treatments uh and you know and and whether whether that's um uh prescribed or licensed by a medical doctor or a psychiatrist or you know the, but people sh- people will have access very similar to how we had access to medical cannabis um in the early 2000s
0: Sorry.
1: so and, and, and at, at the, the societal conversation, um, the conversation at Haven uh, right now really focuses in on the medical side of things because that's where the, that's where the conversation is at the moment and, and that's where we're really focused. So if we take a look at uh, what I personally foresee the future to be, um, and then this is well beyond that five-year time horizon, um, really what I would, I would like to see is the government Recognize our cognitive sovereignty, which means that at, at that point, uh, not only recognize our cognitive sovereignty, but, but create mechanisms for any adult in society to um, you know, facilitate a psychedelic experience as they see fit. If they want to go into a psychedelic dispensary and then take that to a practitioner, awesome. If they want to um, go to the same um, dispensary and go into nature and, and have a freeform experience, Often as well, um, I yeah, I just really like the the government to uh, you know to to not restrict us on this because right. I think that if we give if we maximize the access of of society to psychedelics, our society will grow and benefit in in very very positive ways.
0: And I, and I like how you call it cognitive sovereignty. I've never heard that term before, but it makes so much sense to me. And I and it sort of like was that missing piece when because I, I kept thinking like how do we want this to look? Because with cannabis, um, you know, we medical was sort of the anchor to allow recreational to become a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And and for me, I've always said this, like the the biggest place where people are using cannabis is for wellness. Like it's not necessarily just rec or just medical, it's wellness. Like for me, I use cannabis for sleep and sex, and those two things might be medical but really aren't. Um, So they fall in that wellness space. So I think that cognitive sovereignty, sort of falls into that same, like, big space in the middle where we're allowed to, you know, figure out our own healing journey because I think even the times we're in right now, we're showing there's a lot of healing that needs to be done and yeah. we need to take lead of that as as, as people.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, and, and I really like um, your perspective on, on how cannabis is, is, is wellness. I think, uh, you know, allopathic medicine uh, very much focuses on you're sick you know, we, we, we battle against that sickness until you're better again. Um, I, you know, I imagine you, um, you probably resonate a little bit more with a, like a little bit more of an Eastern philosophy where, yes. you know, health is about maintaining good health. And then, you know, you know, fix, you know, you got to fix it when you're sick, but really the, your, your focus is to maintain your health. And, um, and yeah, psychedelics and cannabis both can play a key role in people maintaining their house. Um, so I think that, um, yeah, I, uh, the, the societal conversation needs to progress on that um, a lot more, but I think that, you know, people are starting to understand. And, I mean, uh, let's let's be honest, 2020 has, has been a bit of a crazy year. <laughs> just and, a little. <laughs> just a little, just a little. And there's no, I don't think it's an accident that, you know, we've also seen the rise of the psychedelic industry this year. You know, when it's one of those things, when a, the um, the student is ready, the teacher will appear.
0: Well, and, um, and it's like, I'm going to sound a little woohoo here, but, you know, like astrologically speaking, in 2019, we all knew, if you were into astrology, that 2020 was supposed to be the year of systems crumbling and a new world sort of emerging. And I think psychedelics are like a key facet of that new world that is emerging, um, but I'm also happy that we've been talking about wellness because that sort of brings me um, to, our, to my last question for you because, you know, to me, wellness is so much more than just the absence of illness, and in my own background is in primary healthcare, and so, you know, that's where you're just treating illness, treating illness, and that's all you're worried about, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, wellness is so much more than that, so just to finish off our, our interview, what does wellness mean to you, and how do you attain your own state of wellness?
1: Well, I was finishing off with a, with a really hard question. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I like it. I like hard questions. Yeah. Wellness for me, I, it's, it's really hard to put into words. It's, it's, because it's a, um, it's a combination of my mental state and my physical state and, you know, my emotional state. But when I'm, when it's it's kind of, when it's reached a homeostasis, when I'm, I'm, my wellness is quote unquote good, it, it doesn't feel good or bad. It, it feels very neutral. Uh, mm-hmm. like I don't, but, but as soon as something's out of whack, um, then I start to, you know, I, I, start to focus in on, on that, you know, like, you know, I wake up in the morning and my legs are stiff. Well, the first thing you want to do is do some yoga because, you know, your legs are stiff, right? So I'm always kind of, I, and what I always try to do is make just small little course corrections, as opposed to drastic changes. Because um, I, yeah, I've, I've found in, in my life if I set, you know, just these little habits, and you work towards something a little bit every day, um, then it's it's yeah, it's much better than saying oh I you know I want to I want to lose twenty pounds in the next three weeks because um, oh. that then then you dive into a, like a very what I I feel sort of like an unhealthy cycle to get healthy. And, 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 you know, the, the whole, the, there's a, in, in North America, the, the gym mentality, like no pain, no gain, you know, you want to always be pushing and, and, you know, you want to hurt after your workout and stuff like that. Um, I, uh, I, I've been studying, uh, yoga for a long, long time. Um, mm-hmm. and, um, and, you know, one of the principles is Nahimsa, which is nonviolence. And um, so that's, that sort of, I guess creates a cornerstone of my, my wellness regime is just making sure that, you know, I'm being kind and nice to myself. Um, now, as far as maintaining that goes, I, um, I do use cannabis. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and that, that's sort of like, I guess that's my, my analgesic of choice, um, because it, you know, calms me down, but you know, if, you know, the aches and pains of life and all that kind of stuff. Um, I also, yeah, I, I, I try to do about an hour of yoga every morning as well. Um that's kind of another cornerstone of my of my um wellness routine and then um yeah I try to I try to get out and uh, at least go for a walk every day. So that's you know nature time very important, A little bit of cardio very important, you know fresh air. Um yeah, so th- those are kind of some of the yeah, I guess some of the elements of my of my wellness, we could pro- we can probably talk about this for another three hours <laughs> yes. if you wanted.
0: <laughs> no, but that's that's perfect. I think it's important for for people to hear how other people achieve their state of wellness and recognize that wellness yes. doesn't just mean you're not sick. It's so much more than that. And and I see so many exciting things in your future and in Haven's future. So thank you so much for taking the time. talk to me today. I'm so excited for everything you're working on, and thank you for everything you have done in the psychedelic space. I know your research and work is going to help a number of people tremendously.
1: Well, yeah, thank you so much. I I really appreciate that, Um, and and thank you so much for the opportunity to chat with you and, you know, chat with the people that uh, uh, listen to your podcast, Um, because I, you know, beyond just, you know, helping people with the research, um, you know, I, I, I really want to you know make sure that you know i'm you know helping people understand and learn about psychedelics as well so i really appreciate the opportunity
0: thank you thank you so much thank you okay i'm going to cut it there so thank you again i'm hoping to um, edit this sometime this week and then hopefully okay. have some time next week
1: amazing thanks yeah thanks okay. so much for for reaching out um It was, yeah, uh, really, really nice to talk to you. And um, hopefully one day we'll be able to uh, meet in real life.
0: Yeah, yeah, I hope so. Thank
1: you.
0: Have a great day. Thank
1: you. You as well. Bye now.
0: To learn more, please visit www.bloomelix.com.